0: So you can go back, please enjoy your party I'll be here, somewhere in the corner Under clouds of marijuana With this boy who's hot I can hardly hear oh,
1: It is the breakup Cup the Preview Show Dave Campbell with you along with Morley Scott, Blake Durmont, and Nathalie Ajay of your Edmonton Eskimos Yeah, that's Alicia Cara She'll be performing uh, the halftime show in about uh, three plus hours on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium as Grey Cup 106 is about to get underway in about an hour and a half time on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. The uh, Calgary Stampeders trying to avoid the uh, three-peat of defeat against the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks who are in the game for their third trip in their last four seasons and looking for their second cup in their last three seasons. Uh, we're here uh, in part by Jiffy Lube. While you get playoff ready, they make sure your vehicle is winter ready. Visit JiffyLubeService.ca and also brought to you in part by Crystal Glass, because it's not just a quarterback who appreciates a clear view. Call 310 Glass or visit CrystalGlass.ca uh, Second in three meetings in the Grey Cup, uh, the la- second meeting in the last three seasons that these two teams will meet in the Grey Cup. Uh, in Toronto at BMO Field, of course the auto Red Blacks at 8-9-1 upset the 15-2-1 Calgary Stampeders in overtime. And before that game, drama. Remember the drama. Henry Burris gets hurt in the warm-up. Trevor Harris, who had a pretty good season that year, it was a weird year. Burris got hurt, then Harris got hurt, and then Burris got hurt, and Harris got hurt. Then Burris was the starting quarterback by the end of the year. Gets hurt in the warm-up. Hurts his knee. Trevor Harris is, is told on the sidelines, you're starting.
2: It was uh, it was something else, that's for sure. Um, I remember going out, walking out on the field before the game, and just looking around, saying, "Man, I'm gonna have to at least wait a calendar year to to get this opportunity." And uh, sure enough, a couple hours later, I was told, "Hey, you're going." And actually, Greg walked up to me in the locker room. He's like, "Hey, man, that's why we brought you here. We got two great quarterbacks, and we're not gonna miss a beat, man. Just go in there and do your thing, and we got your back." And uh, that that gave me a lot of confidence that day because you know when that whirlwind kind of hits you all at once, it's like, "Whoa, here we go." And so. it was, uh, it was an up and down roller coaster type of day, but um, obviously it worked out well for us
1: but like a Hollywood movie here comes 41 year old Henry Burris leading his team out of the tunnel he uh, he remembers just all the drama that surrounded that uh, that moment and of course going on to have a great game
3: well I mean uh, for me running uh, you know just running around you know uh, on the field there in Toronto during warm-ups and all of a sudden I just feel like my knee give and I felt a pop and a burn and and, and that's something that you're not supposed to feel in that area and and I've felt it before because I had you know I've, I've had a number of knee surgeries on both knees and once it happened I knew it was cartilage and- and, and I'm thinking, oh, it's probably just something, scar tissue, something passing through. And I, I continue to move forward. But every time I would bend my knee, I felt the click. And, and every time I would push off on that left knee and try to straighten it out on that first push off on the drop back, I kept feeling the burn. I kept feeling the click. And I told Trevor, hey, man, get ready because I don't know if I'm going to be able to go. But, of course, I was going to do everything in my power because I knew that was my final game. And, and thankfully, the entire staff uh, came together, uh, medical staff that is, and uh, put together a little cocktail for me to put into the knee via injection with a needle right into the joint and they gave me some tour dolls on top to kind of take the bite off of the pain. And, uh, at that point, 20 minutes later, I was ready to rock and roll. When was
4: the decision made that, yes, you are going
3: to play? Well, I, I knew in my mind, uh, as long as we could get the, the pain away and everything, and I could, uh, you know, deal with not having that clicking going and my knee locking up, uh, that, that's all we needed to achieve. And, uh, they adjusted my brace on my, uh, my knee brace on my left knee. And, and once I was able to move around pain-free and not have to worry about that, and it was off my mind, uh, the decision was made. It was about 20 minutes, uh, kind of once all the, the all the meds kick in, and uh, which was just as the uh, anthem was going on. So once that decision was made and, and uh, I moved around and did all the drops and all the movement inside the locker room, they are like, hey, we
4: don't see any reason why you can't go. You're not going to damage it any worse. I imagine you've put yourself in Trevor's spot a little bit because he was saying, today I came out and I remember thinking that, oh, i got to wait a whole calendar year before I get to start one of these games, yeah. right? Yeah. And then he said an hour later, uh, someone said, you're starting. Henry yeah. might not be able to go uh, and then He's not starting. I yeah. mean, his range of emotions that day must have been incredible.
3: Oh, yeah. And I, and I definitely told him, Thank you so much for that. Because, uh, you know, I had uh, the utmost confidence. If I can go, Trevor was going to get the job done. But that, with it being my last game, of course, I had to play in that game. And Trevor, he still has a long career to play in front of him. And I knew there were going to be multiple great cup opportunities for him, especially with how the organization's been set up with the talent there in Ottawa. And I knew this opportunity would come for him. But that was it for me. And, uh, you know, it wasn't me being selfish. It was the fact that I knew that was my swan song. And, and I wanted to do everything. I could to kind of help finish off that journey of what we put together there in Ottawa, and I felt that I had earned that opportunity. And uh, but I was thankful because Trevor, you know, he's the ultimate teammate, and and uh, he was there a moment's notice, ready to go like a professional. And I'm thankful that even when I was ready to go, he was like, "Hey, go out there and do it. I'll stay ready to go just in case uh, you
4: can't make it." And you knew through this, you didn't tell anyone, but you knew this was your last game. You knew you're yeah. going to retire at the end of this one. What a what an awful feeling it would have been if you wouldn't have been able to.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, and and that was behind it, and the fact that you know here my kids are seeing dad put in all this work, my wife and all we have been through. And to be able to go out there and have a chance to win your very last game is something that a lot, not a lot of people get a chance to experience. And it's all about the sacrifices that we all went through, my family, my friends. My parents were up from Oklahoma, my best friends. Everybody was there, the people who had helped me get to where I was that day. And, you know, for them to be able to see me walk off the field in that manner, uh, it's something that, you know, I cry about when I watch the, the playback. And it's been played uh, several times. And seeing the, the celebration after that last incompletion from different angles via video, uh, and I cry like a baby when I watch it. But, again, that that had to be my moment. And uh, it wasn't where it was all about me. It wasn't that case. But for Ottawa, 40 years of not having a championship, being able to help finish off what we'd started was definitely in my mind definitely what it was all about. And now
4: maybe it's Trevor's turn.
3: Yeah, definitely. And this team has a great opportunity against a a Calgary team that, you know, still has the number one defense in the league, only giving up under 10 points a game. And, you know, it's going to be a battle because it's always set where if – you know, if it's that one team that, that gives you the, the the sharpest point in your side, which for Trevor it's been Calgary, and uh, they've been his kryptonite. And so, what better setting, you know, for him to be able to go out there and, and start to cement his legacy by beating the team that people said he couldn't beat, and for Bo Levi Mitchell getting over that hurdle that people said he couldn't get over. So for both quarterbacks, it's a fitting a fitting tale for one of them that are going to walk off that field that night saying, "I finally did it."
4: Uh, that is quarterback Henry Burris. Uh, well, former quarterback Henry Burris. He's uh, he's not working on. The, on the dark side just like natea jay is uh, natea you were at that game a couple of years ago in toronto and you were kind of watching the drama unfold yeah i know i you know got tickets
5: uh, with a, a good friend of mine uh Shea Pierre. you might know who he is mm-hmm. play for the Esk. Uh, uh we end up getting you know kind of front row because something happened with the tickets and they comped us front row tickets so uh seats so we're watching the whole drama unfold we see henry uh kind of go off into the locker room and we're all wondering, like, what's going on? Is he just is this a regular thing? Then I started looking on Twitter, and everybody's talking about how Trevor Harris is possibly going to get the start. So our ears were perked up. We are watching everything. And for a while there, it looked like Trevor was going to get the start because he was taking all the reps that uh, a starter would take. And then, you know, before you know it, as the teams are coming out for the first, uh, you know, for the coin toss and and the national anthem, uh, Henry Burris comes out with them right? and be like, okay, yeah, there's no way he's not playing in this
4: game. Had a little WWE feel to it to a certain <laughs> yeah. extent, right? My God, right. that's that, that's need. Henry
1: Burris' music.
4: All we needed <laughs> was the music. Yeah. You know,
6: the, and the thing about that was 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 Trevor Harris not the the East nominee as top quarterback that year too? I might, oh, I think he was because yeah. Burris had been hurt a lot. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And so so it wasn't like they were putting a slouch in there. The no, guy, that's if, very if true. If that was the case, and he, you know, he was the, he had won the top, and that was the that was the other part of the drama, was that he was the the representative as the top quarterback from the From the east, and he wasn't going to start in the Grey Cup game. and Henry Burris was, was going to start, and uh, it had a lot of uh, a lot of the same flavor that when Matt Dunnigan uh, won with Toronto back in 1991, I think, when mm-hmm. they had the Rocket Ismail and and Matt yeah. had hurt his shoulder and and, uh, and they put him into the game because Ricky Foggy had won all the games all year, and then Matt Dunnigan showed up and won the Grey Cup game. But all he could throw was long balls; he <laughs> couldn't throw a short one. Yeah, so. I also
4: <laughs> remember it was the BC Lions, right? They Casey Printers was the MOP that year. Yeah, at Grey Cup week he gets awarded MOP, and then he watches Dave Dickinson start at quarterback
1: in a great Cup game. That's right. That might have been one of Wally Bono's biggest mistakes. Yeah, it's ever. all about yeah.
4: uh, all about who you think can help you now, right? Yeah, so, that's right. Interesting. Uh, all right. Uh, Three fifteen. We're probably a little over, about an hour and a half or so away from kickoff time for uh, the one hundred and six Grey Cup game. Uh, Morley, Dave, Blake, Nate. We're uh, going to continue getting you set for the football game when we return here on six thirty. Chet.
2: I think there is a great attitude and uh, you know we've we've done some really good work with the players in this uh, in these past number of years you know just last year the changing of um, to a non-padded practices format and going to a 21-week schedule was done in a collaboration with the players and we've seen we've seen our in-practice injuries go down by 35 percent over the past uh, over the past 16 months in that season and a half since we since we did it We've seen uh, the number of player games lost due to injuries go down by 10% since we made that change. And we did that together. And when we've been talking about CFL 2.0, we, we've, we've spent time talking with Brian and Jeff about that vision and that opportunity to grow the CFL. So. I have said before, and I'll continue to say, I think the future is better together. I think all of the things we want to do will be better to do it together with the players. I'm optimistic. I really am. I think we can sit down with the players uh, shortly after the season ends, uh, lay out a path to, um, you know, put put in place a deal that's fair for both for both sides, for the players and for the and for the league and for our teams. And I'm absolutely confident that we're going to get to a solution and get back to playing football at the start of the 2019 season.
4: That was the State of the League address from Commissioner Randy Ambrose earlier this week at Great Cup Week talking about uh, the pending story. The biggest story of this offseason is going to be the uh, the CBA negotiations. Uh, as we kind of joked about earlier, it's going to be up to the offensive linemen to figure it out for everybody else. Uh, well, before we get to you guys, I want to just ask Nate. Um, uh, you have player reps. You're not one of the player reps, but they're going to be involved. Uh, how tough is it for you going into this offseason knowing that your future is in somebody else's hands to negotiate a CBA?
5: You know what it's not too tough because uh, we'd had meetings all throughout the year and they kind of uh, gave us the lay of the land and they told us that you know it's it, what was gonna be asked for on our part and you know they're gonna get a lot of input input from us uh, throughout the offseason we're gonna have uh, polls that we're gonna be uh, filling out to let them know what is most important to us so they can uh, fight for what we really want as players so uh you know we have meetings out throughout the year and they we know what what's at stake and no, nobody's really going to be surprised. We know a deal is going to get done eventually. It's just a matter of uh, um, wh- uh, when, right? Not if. So, you know, we're we're fully prepared. They did tell us to get an
4: off-season jobs, so we know it's going to be a while. Well, uh, getting an off-season job is nothing new for CFL players, though, right? <laughs> so, uh, um, that's why a lot of guys live in cities where they live now after they retire because they get that job and it turns into a pretty good post-football career. Uh, Blake, you know one of the guys really well uh, involved in the negotiations. It's hard to imagine that the, the CFL would miss any time on the field because of a labor issue.
6: Yeah, I... I uh I remember when we, we kind of went through something like this back when I was playing, and and funny, Randy was on the other side. Randy was one of our player reps, and he was a, a part of the CFL Alumni, uh, uh, not CFL Alumni, sorry, players association. He was on the committee, uh, and uh, he was adamant about certain things, like when we expanded in the United States, and they wanted to lower the Canadian ratio when they were start, you know, protecting Canadian jobs, and, and uh, so so he's seen it from both sides. Now he's looking at it from the business side, so and, and he, he knows he knows the reality. Um, this is not a league that I believe can can uh, uh, survive if they don't play for a season. Um, it, you know, it's just, it, and with all the things that he's done to try to sell the league uh, going forward, you know, with the expansion to Halifax and and the uh, uh, agreement that they just made with the uh, Mexican Football Federation and and all of those things, I, I think Randy really truly wants to get this done, and and, and there will be a, a some agreement. Uh, I just hope it doesn't go down to the last wire. Right uh, down to the wire, I mean.
4: Yeah, for sure. Randy Ambrose has said since almost day one, uh, there's football season and there's business season. It's not an off season to him. But business season is on hold until this CBA gets negotiated. I mean, uh, we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks who don't have contracts, and they're not signed until it's all settled. It may not happen until... May possibly when mm-hmm. we're close to the expiry date, Dave. So it's going to be a weird off season. I, I we've talked with a few general managers about it. It's going to be a real strange off season for them.
1: Yeah, I, I would imagine there's there's still some signings that will happen, but when you we talk about the, you know, the big movers and shakers, the star the star players, you're going to have to wait for that, especially when it comes to a few quarterbacks. Um, I really believe that when the two sides are ready. To deal, they'll get something done, and even you know we heard Brian Ramsey and uh, Jeff Keeping say on Friday during their state of the, uh, uh, I guess the state of the CFLPA address, uh, they believe they can get a deal done before the start of training camp. Um, you know, last time it went into training camp. I mean, I remember leaving Fan Day at yep. Clark Stadium and I saw the polling station. Players right, are and I'm like getting in one door of the van, voting, getting out the other door. And then then the voting happened, and then they they. Had a deal done in principle the next day, which is kind of was which was kind of weird. But you know, I, I do believe Randy Ambrosi cares about the players. Um, you know, he also has owner ownership and, and the league to think about as well. So it's uh, I think he does understand both sides. And you have uh, you know you have players that representing the PA that understand both sides as well. So, but you know, right now I think we have a a bit of a you know a bit of a, a bit of a game of chicken. I think right now just because. One side's withholding bonuses and other side is saying, well, we got this contingent of star players that say, we're not signing until we know what the CBA looks like. It'll be a bigger story, of course, after the football game today. Let's get
4: back to talking about the game uh, we heard earlier in the show from uh, Richie Leone, the punter for the Ottawa Redblacks. He's had his first Grey Cup. Uh, the punter for the Calgary Stampeders is Rob Maver. Uh, he is not at his first Grey Cup. He is a wily veteran of Grey Cups. Dave had a chance to talk with the Maver, who's pretty comfortable with the way things go at Grey Cups nowadays.
0: Yes and no. Obviously, the third one in a row, you, you never want to say that it becomes but things become less foreign, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You understand the week, you understand the practice schedules, you understand the meeting times, the shuttling back and forth. Uh, The media days, how things are run, um, just no surprises at this point, but every single cup is unique. Every single year is unique because the team changes every single year, Mm -hmm. Um, but we obviously understand that this third time here, there's definitely a job that we need to get done. Do you put added pressure on yourselves to get the job done, or or, or, or is that beneficial? Not really, because at the end of the day, it's not like we're playing all year long with this weight on our shoulders. You know, you just take it one day at a time, one play at a time. So we have to do that, but we can't we can't relax at any point in the game. We can't relax at any point in our preparation. We can't think that we've arrived because we're here. If there's an opportunity to make a play in the game, we have to right then and there. It's not like anything else matters past uh, you know Sunday night. We just got to look at that for exactly what it is. And obviously, you've
1: had a lot of practice, and if things don't go your way early hey, there's a lot of game left. And I think last week was a good example. Not that you were, you weren't bad in the first quarter. Maybe Winnipeg carried the play, but then the second quarter came and you were the better team, uh, you know,
0: you know, going forward. Yeah, I mean, we kept them out of the end zone, which is huge. Yeah. It's our defense. You can't say enough good things about them. Winnipeg's first uh, score came off of a 57-yard field goal, mm-hmm. which is by no means a gimme. You got to, you know, tip your hat to Justin over there. Um, they didn't get inside our 29 yard line or something like that and so at the end of the day we know with our defense we're gonna have a chance to be in every game as long as we don't allow bad things to happen on special teams or unless we turn over the football
1: different kind of year for for the Peters because we're used to you seeing you know uh you clinch first place early mm-hmm. or you clinch a playoff spot early then you clinch first place early then you have some games where you know you're just trying to get to the finish line not that you're coasting but you know you're still trying to win those games but this year you didn't clinch first until week 21 Um, and Dave Dickinson talked about it at the coaches news conference saying hey I mean we faced adversity a lot more
0: than we have in in recent memory
1: do you think that helps
0: yes because it was a gut check time we had to go to bc it was wally's last game Mm -hmm. they made you know big uh, pomp and circumstance of course uh Mm -hmm. that's very well deserved uh but we knew that we were going into a hornet's nest and we knew that we had to go and play a hot bc lions team in order to get first place we were up 25 to nothing at half Mm -hmm. and i think that was a great test for us you look at that three game uh losing streak too um you know it's happened before at this time of the year we also were breaking in a lot of new moving pieces and offense so you clinch a playoff spot and then you Get a few injuries, and it's. I also think too that if you just expect us to win all the time too, that undermines our opponents, right? Because at the end of the day, all of the other eight teams in this league are good. Uh, Even if you ignore the records of some teams, you know there's dynamic players on every single team. They get paid to win football games too. So it's, you know, people can't take it for granted that we just need to go out and win all the time. Um, You still need to be cognizant of the fact that this is professional football, and we had less of an edge than our opponents did because they had more at stake than we did it's a business week
1: obviously but uh you know it's great cup week and i know it's a little different it's a little weird and strange because your hotel's kind of far away from downtown by comparison of other great cups but uh, how much do you have to enjoy this moment as well i mean you're in a great cup for third straight season and and not many teams can say that
0: no it's you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I've never taken a single day of my career for granted. Mm-hmm. I know how fortunate I am to have been a part of this franchise. I know what it means. This is where I wanted to be ever since I got drafted. And I couldn't have even, you know, envisioned of saying, hey, you know, you're going to play in five cups in your ninth year. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And um, so, you know, you definitely got to stop and smell the roses, so to speak. But at the end of the day, we're here to do a job.
4: That's Rob Maver, punter for the Calgary Stampeders. What a great run he and the Stampeders have had in their third straight great cup, having won the first two. They do have one uh, in this era. uh, Either the Stampeders or the Ottawa Red Blacks will win a second cup in the last five years in this football game this afternoon. We are uh, here till about 4 o'clock today, bringing you up to date on what's going on at the uh, Grey Cup. We're brought to you in part by Jiffy Lube. While you get playoff ready, they make sure your vehicle is winter ready. Visit jiffylubeservice.ca. When we come back, we'll hear from a guy who grew up in Edmonton, Rick Campbell, the head coach of the Ottawa Redblacks. coming up after the news at 3.30. <laughs> Grey Cup game is about an hour away on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. It's the Calgary Stampeders and the Ottawa Red Blacks. Our coverage here all week long on 630 Chet has been brought to you in part by Crystal Glass. Because it's not just a quarterback who appreciates a clear view. Call 310-GLASS or visit crystalglass.ca. We've talked to a couple of guys who are playing in their first Grey Cup today. We've talked to a couple of guys who have uh, been in many Grey Cups. A guy who's been around the Grey Cup since he was born is rick campbell of course the the son of legendary eskimos head coach hugh campbell uh rick campbell has uh, been around the gray cup uh, as a kid with his dad and in his long and pretty decent coaching career in the canadian football league as both a head coach and an assistant coach and a coordinator he's also been to a few Grey cup games
7: this know. is my seventh so i'm three and three so i'm trying to get a, a winning record in the great cup so we'll see what happens yeah,
4: yeah tell me about your team this year and your journey here i was just talking to marcel and he said you kind of went through the gamut a little bit this year and the way your team performed and played and full marks for getting here
7: yeah i thought we had a chance um especially in the CFL, all pro sports, but in the CFL, there's so much parity happening and everybody goes through a rough patch where you lose a couple of games. You can say that about any team in this league, including us, but the thing I liked when our when we went through those moments, our guys didn't point fingers, they didn't blame, they didn't whine, they didn't complain, they just kept uh, kept working and doing their thing, and that's a... A good trait to have. I mean uh, dealing with adversity is how you win championships in any sport really because every team is going to get it. Exactly that's the key I mean you don't you learn about people in the tough moments not in the it's easy to easy to win because people are complimenting complimenting you and patting you on the back so it's easy to be a part of a winning team it's when you're going through the tough moments that you find out about people and uh, um, this is a this is a good group as far as being able to handle adversity. What's the difference between the three teams
4: in Ottawa that you brought to the Grey Cup? How do, uh, difference in attitude and maybe in approach and
7: everything, how are things changed? Yeah, I mean, they've all been good teams, obviously. <laughs> the thing I really like about this group, and I actually com- complimented our team early in training camp, is I they have a good spirit about them, a good fight. Um, kind of a good grittiness to them that I that I liked and uh, they've uh, proved me right on that front which I'm, I'm glad so um, I, j- I just I'm proud of them for to keep fighting keep persevering and uh, um, yeah, I really like this group of guys. Challenges of the Calgary Stampeders have been the, the marquee team
4: as far as performance in the field goals for the last 5-6 years maybe even longer uh, how
7: difficult is a challenge to beat them in this game? It's a big challenge and um, you know, they played really well against Winnipeg. Winnipeg came in there, you know, playing good football, and uh, you know they really shut them down on defense. So um, Calgary's a team that makes you beat them, which seems like a simple statement, but they uh, they do a really good job of uh, of doing that. So we just need to concentrate on uh, playing good football. We actually don't ever talk about winning. Um, obviously, we want to win, but I think we talk more about the process than the result. And so we just want to go through this week and make sure we're doing everything we can to get ready to play good football. And the good news for us is when we do play good football, um, we will win more games than we lose. And that's what we're going to try to do on the. Uh, on Sunday. For whatever reason, Trevor Harris coming into the
4: playoffs this year, kind of got the knock of not winning the big games. Probably not fair. He won a pretty big
7: game for you last week. Tell me about his development to where he is now.: I just thought that whole thing was weird. I get criticism and you know when you're going to be in pro sports and you're going to be a quarterback, you're going to get criticism. so I, I don't mind getting the criticism. I just thought that whole thing was so weird because he had played in one playoff game. So I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't understand if it was like a rumor that was started or what. But the good thing about Trevor is he's such a hard worker. And he'll prepare if you tell him that he's playing in a preseason game and he's going to start. He's going to work his butt off to get ready to play that game or a regular season game or a playoff game or the Grey Cup. So usually guys that have that consistent work ethic, um, it bodes well for them in big games because it's not like he's flipping a switch to say, well, I'm going to try harder now and prepare because it's the Grey Cup game. He's going to go about his business as he always does. How cool for you is this game to be at Commonwealth Stadium? It's going to be cool. You know, we haven't gone over to the stadium yet because we're practicing over at Foot Field, so we actually won't go uh, go over there till till Saturday. So, um, I think I, I think it's going to be a bigger thing for me when I reflect back on it after afterward. I think I'm kind of in the in work mode where I'm just trying to keep my head down and go about my business. But I think it is a big deal to me. I'm just. Uh, I don't know if I'm just trying to keep my emotions in check and all that so that I can do my best job for the team as far as getting ready for the game. But it is a big deal to me. This is a special place to me and a big part of me growing up. So it's, it's, it's awesome to be here, but I'm going to do my best to just focus on uh, on the game. And then, uh, like I said, it probably hit me in a bigger way after the fact. Mom and Dad coming up? they actually are so they haven't ever they haven't come to the previous 2 games when I was a head coach in the Grey Cup they kind of gave me my space and um, but uh, they are coming up, so it's going to be pretty cool. I think my sisters will show up too, and my family's kind of scattered all over North America, so we don't get together often. So it's going to be uh, pretty cool to be all together and uh, be back in Edmonton, which obviously is a big uh, big part of my uh, family.
4: Great stuff, Rick. Thanks
7: for this. Appreciate it. Good luck to you. You got it. Thanks.
4: Rick Campbell, head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Of course, a long-time assistant in the Canadian Football League and a guy who's grown up in the CFL and around the Grey Cup and uh, a nice guy, one of the nicest guys uh, guys, you'll meet, and a guy that a lot of people outside of Calgary are probably cheering for today.
6: Yeah, yeah. We used to, we used to, because co- he used to be around a lot. Uh, um, you know, guest coaching and, and, and uh, even before he was guest coaching, he was just around a lot. We we just used to mm-hmm. call him Coach's Kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we, I remember one time we uh we had a we were playing a uh, we had a practice, uh, a, a shared practice with the Stampeders down in Red Deer. Where the well actually it was the, the Stampeders practiced right before us and then we showed up afterwards yeah. so we all had to jump in a bus and head down there. And of course you, you head to the back of the bus where where the offensive linemen are typically that's where, you know, the back left corner kind of thing and and we get on the bus and there's Rick Campbell sitting in the back of hey, hey coach's kid get out of here <laughs>
1: no. how much does coaching come into a game like this how important is is coaching do you think dave oh I, I think i think it does factor into it like like it always does and you know and i'm not i'm not just talking about like halftime adjustments i mean you have to be able to adjust in the fly and i think in any football game the coach that's able to adjust uh, quickly to what the other coach is able to adjust gives himself a chance. Not that it works all the time, but you know, I, I like coaches that try to adapt. You know, and I know there's the let's run what we run kind of thing, but um, I like the coaches that are willing to you know kind of change things up uh, on the go and and uh, you know just try something uh, try something else instead of trying the same thing over and over again. So I think the coaches that adjust the best are going to win. Coaching is it more about the coordinators? Nate, what do you think? Uh, the coordinators
5: would be, be very important in a game like this because they're the ones really in charge of making the adjustments. Like, uh, when they go into halftime, it's the coordinators that, you know, tell the head coach what they see, and they kind of bounce ideas off each other. But they're definitely the ones in charge of making the adjustments. Uh, coaching is very important uh, because the coaches are in charge of uh, seeing what the other team has been doing all year long, putting together the plan, and... Uh, kind of getting guys to buy into why they're doing things. So I think coaching is going to play a big part in this game.
6: You know, it's funny when when, uh, I wanted to hear Nate's answer uh, 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 before uh, uh, I spoke because having been a player you know, I, I probably would have thought it's it's how the players are going to perform. You know, how how mm-hmm. we're going to you know how the guys are going to go out there and, and actually execute what the coaches have done. Um, but now, you know, because I've been coaching at the high school level for a while, and, and I think coaching is critical. I think coaching is so important to a game, to the structure of the game, to the planning of the game, to the to the uh, uh, to the success of how how plays are called. Um, and uh, you know, with respect to uh, adjustments, with the way the technology that they. You, these guys have now. There's no halftime adjustments anymore. Yeah. You know, you, your adjustments are immediate because Real time. you'll, you'll get, you look at the iPad and you'll yeah. see right now. And it used to be we'd wait until make, and you got 15 minutes to what make a, a bunch of uh, adjustments. It's, it's just not the way it, it works. If you have to wait till halftime, you've lost half the game. Mm-hmm. So, so the adjustments are so quick and so immediate now. And and if you don't have the right guys that are being able to see, are, are able to see that and point that out to players, but also players are. I mean, this is a this is a video game generation. I mean, these guys are you to looking at those kinds of things and yeah. they, they'll make the adjustments on their own. Yeah. They have better tools now than they did before.
4: So what you're saying is when you were a player, it was all about the players. Now that you're coaching, it's all about the coaches. <laughs> That's
6: pretty much what I'm saying. <laughs> I heard. That's pretty much what I'm saying.
4: <laughs> uh, we're going to get to predictions and we're going to get everybody in the room. will will give their uh, their score prediction later on uh, after our next break. But I want you guys both to, to pick players or all three of you guys to pick a player from each team Let's throw the quarterbacks out because we know the quarterbacks have to be good. Uh, is there a guy that you're really looking towards <laughs> having a, a good game to help their team? Well, I was going
1: to say Trevor Harris, but I can't now.
4: So. You can't now, <laughs> no.
5: So come to me later. <laughs> uh, I'll start off. I'll go with William Powell. I think uh, a lot of Trevor Harris's success comes off the running game and play-action passes and RPOs. at, the, at like the like they like to say. So a lot of uh, what his success will come out of William Powell, and if he can get the ball rolling, I think uh, Ottawa will have a lot of success because, you see, when William Powell is rolling, uh, the play actions work uh, that much more. And even, even when they have the RPOs and he, Trevor has a chance to read it, uh, when William Powell is rolling and he, he puts it into his belly, the defense sucks in and Trevor Harris is able to hit Sinopoli, Youngson or uh, Deontay Spencer.
6: Blake? Well, I, because of what uh, Ottawa does and how how much success they've had with it, and I think when we talked about how Trevor Harris is uh, you know gets rid of the ball really quickly, I would have said that it's a, uh, one of those receivers, and that's initially what I thought about. I thought Sinopoli's had such a fantastic year this year that he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be you know one of those first reads. But I I don't know if I want, this uh, and this isn't going to count as one player, but but when you look at what the defensive line that Calgary has, you know when 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 you're talking about uh, uh, Johnson and Turner and and uh, and Davis and and uh, you know the the pressure that they get with Alex Singleton and that <laughs> It's the offensive line for Ottawa. I think the offensive line for Ottawa, and and I know it's one not one guy, but that is going to be what's going to give Ottawa the success.
4: And I'm taking a guy that you mentioned on the other side, uh, Micah Johnson. Uh, after watching that D line dominate so much last week, I think he is a key. And and every time if you get to the quarterback, you're going to have problems. You're going to create problems for him, and I think Calgary can do that pretty well. Not so much with the sacks, but just getting through, just just backing Disruption. up the O line and just disrupting them a little yeah. bit, taking away time and space, which is which is key for uh, for anybody with the ball or the puck or whatever sport you're talking about. So I'm going with with Micah Johnson. Dave? Well, thanks for taking my pick. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) You can pick Trevor Harris if you want, if you're going to be a baby about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm I'm going to pick up a matchup that uh, we can expect, and I know receivers move around all the time, but Calgary Stampeders, I'll say Eric Rogers. And he was really good last week with three touchdowns, five second-down conversion catches. I think he caught every single ball thrown his way. And then on the opposite side, uh, Corey Tindall. And I know Jonathan Rose has got a lot of attention. Corey Tyndall is very active back there. He is all over the place, and he is someone that, don't be surprised if uh, Noel Thorpe, the defensive coordinator, sends him on blitzes uh, towards uh, Bo Levi Mitchell. So uh, I'll go Rogers on the on the Stampeders, and I'll go uh, Corey Tyndall on the Red Blocks.
4: Alright, so there you go. Our predictions coming up. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll hear some fans' predictions, but uh, thanks for being with us all week. Also thanks to our sponsors all week. Uh, Jiffy Lube and Crystal Glass, bringing you our coverage all week long of uh, Great Cup. It's been a fantastic fantastic week. Uh, the game is uh, coming up a little less than an hour from now. They'll be underway on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. We'll hear some fan predictions and our predictions when we return on our Great Cup pregame show here on 630 Chad. <laughs>
5: It's T.J. here, live on location. We're going to try to find each team's colors and try to get a prediction for this Sunday's game. Stay tuned. Follow us. I just want to get a prediction for you for the for the game on Sunday.
4: Well, being a diehard Edmonton fan, I have to cheer for Ottawa. It's anybody but Calgary. If you guys can't be in it, I cheer for anybody but Calgary.
5: Awesome. Hey, Mr. Argo, how you doing? Pretty good. Yourself? Good. And the J from the Edmonton Eskimos. I just want to get your thoughts on this Sunday's game coming up.
0: Ah. Uh, I think it's going to be a good one. Last time they faced off, it was a very good game. Went to overtime. I'm
5: excited. Who do you have winning? Ottawa again. Ottawa. I love it. Being an Eskimo, can't get enough of that. Here at the Great Cup Festivity, my name is T J from the m to Eskimo. I just want to get a prediction for Sunday's game. I think the Tiger Cats are going to win by seven. <laughs> Maybe. We want to get a prediction for this Sunday's game. Are you sure?
1: Yes. <laughs> well, hopefully it's Ottawa. I agree with, I like that. with that. So, oh, well, it's been like that all along. So we have cheering them. And we come to all the great cups every year, whether we're in it or not. It's just to have fun and meet some people and try and make a few people smile.
5: You definitely made me smile. Like, hey, my name's Natalia J from the Edmonton Eskimos. I just want to get a word with you guys. What do you guys think is going to happen in the Grey Cup on Sunday? Uh, Ottawa is going to trounce Calgary. Honestly, uh, as an Edmonton Eskimo, I love that prediction. Hey, how you doing?
2: Hey, I'm great. Good,
5: good. Yeah. good. The with the Eskimos. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on this game. Obviously, you're a huge Red, red Blacks fan, yeah, as you can yeah, see. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on this Sunday's game?
0: You know what? I just want a really, a really good game. I'd like a close game. Yeah, yeah I want it to be
5: fun. Thoughts of Montreal fans. There are too many of them out here, but uh, I managed to find two of them. Can you guys give me a prediction for this Sunday's game? Red Blacks. I'm cheering for the Red Blacks, but I think Calgary's going to win it. Hey, hey, we found a Winnipeg fan. How you doing? Good, yourself? Good, I'm doing great. I just want to get your thoughts uh, on, on the game this Sunday. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, Calgary's going to lose. Love Um, it. I guess the Red Blacks have to win. They do. I guess so, yeah. Going to win by a landslide. Pumble them into the snow. (laughs) I love it. We're in Edmonton, so it might very well might snow. I just have to ask you, what do you think is going to happen Sunday?
3: Doesn't matter what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen? Everyone's going to have a great
4: time. That's amazing. That's the first one of those we got. You know, it, it was sad to watch uh, you guys struggle and lose, but that's like, we got your back. We're diehard fans. We love you guys. We'll cheer for you always and next there's always next year. I appreciate that. That's why we love you guys too, man. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye. Oh, there you go. That's some predictions. Uh, we had a good time with that. Uh, I was surprised, uh, Nate, how, how quickly we found teams from, from every uh, every city.
5: Yeah, initially we thought it was going to be a, a bit of a struggle, but uh, it happened very quickly. As soon as we got rolling, it, it felt like it happened like, with a snap of the fingers. So.
4: Yeah, I think it takes about a half an hour or so to find everybody, even from Montreal, and uh, it's, it, it was uh, very colorful for sure all week long down at the festival. All right, you heard the, the predictions from some of the fans. Uh, it's interesting. Ottawa's kind of counting on the support port I think because it's uh, it's Calgary uh, in Edmonton and I think Calgary's going come on why not us, right? You yeah. know, support us a little bit. But provincial support. It's not going to happen. No, oh. They're looking for provincial support, but it's not going to happen. So, no, it's, uh, I think the crowd, uh, we'll find out how many people from Edmonton were able to find someone to sell their tickets to <laughs> and, and who they cheer for. The louder the crowd is for Ottawa, you know people are, Eskimo fans are, are, are in the building watching the game. All right, We've come to the point in our show we're about to wrap things up here in the next couple of minutes uh, to make predictions. I'm going to go first, just because we did, guys, if you remember, after the Eskimo Uh, final home game, we uh, put a little video up on our Facebook page and I said at that point, I believe the phrase was, no one expects them to win, so I think they're going to win. The Calgary Stampeders will rise from the ashes to win the Grey Cup in Edmonton. Uh, I'll probably be cheering for Ottawa, but uh, (laughs) I'm saying uh, because I said that then I'm going to stick with that now. High scoring game, I'm going to go Calgary 31-27 over the Ottawa Red Blacks.
1: Dave? All right, well, I can't fathom the Calgary Stampeders losing th- this game three straight years. <laughs> Today, I think it happens, though. I think it happens. Ottawa wins by a score. We'll go 31-28. Uh, to 28. So we call the Stampeders the Buffalo Bills next year, according to Dave. Uh, all right, Blake.
6: Well, I... Um, um, I picked every team, or every team that I picked to win this year lost. <laughs> um, every team, starting with BC, then went to uh, Hamilton and Winnipeg, and uh, so um, with with that record in mind, I'm going to pick Calgary. So, um, I'm if 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 Calgary wins, I'm right. If Calgary loses, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect scenario, Nate. <laughs> well, that
5: Buffalo Bills comment, I did quite—I did hear that from an unnamed uh, Ottawa Redblacks player. So, with that being said, I'm going to go with Ottawa this week. Uh, score of 31-27. Okay, okay
6: I, I didn't give a score. I'm I'm going to say, I I think it's going to be a little bit uh, uh, more lopsided than that. I think it's going to be 30, uh, it'll be 35 to 21. Okay. Okay.
4: So we have uh, two votes for Calgary, two votes for Ottawa, but one of the votes for Calgary is really for Ottawa from Blake. (laughs) So uh, we'll we'll see how it uh, uh, wraps up. Uh, Natay, you and I are going to have some stuff on our Facebook page and on the 632 Twitter account uh, later on post-game to talk about it. Man, thanks for joining me. I've had a ball uh, talking to you and getting to know you and and watching work. uh, uh, thanks very much for really the appreciate it. I appreciate it too, it's, it's heating my uh, expectations and I uh, love working with you, man. Great, you're not off the hook yet, you still got work to do. Thanks, Blake. As okay. always, appreciate it, we'll see you at the game. Dave, good stuff, man. All right, uh, Everybody, it's time. Uh, what was it, it was a year and a half ago they announced this game was gonna take place. It was a hot summer day, as I recall. Not so hot today, but they'll be playing football. The Calgary Stampeders and the Ottawa Redblacks will be kicking it off about a half an hour from now in the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. We've had a great week, uh, the festival has been fantastic. Nothing left to do, but play the game. Enjoy the game, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.
5: I can't see the entire city, but I'm not
4: a bad exterminator. I'm just a shame.